want to continue with the message. Your help is on the way. Your help is on its way. No matter what you're going through as a Christian, when you become a child of God, God's ears are always open to your cry. He said, before they call, I'll answer. Before you call, he's already answering. And God's always planning ahead of, for your life. He's preparing things for you in the future. You may not understand what you're going through right now, but God's working all of those things together for your good if you will just be patient, keep calling on Him, keep following the light. God will make all of this happen. Don't forget Joseph. Joseph was a man that God used, gave him a dream, and worked his will through Joseph to prepare for the house of Jacob. Why? Because God had a covenant with Jacob. And God has said, He will never forsake the house of Abraham. God will be with Abraham. And so God worked His will to protect His covenant with Abraham using Joseph, giving Joseph dream when he was a little boy and walking His will through Joseph. Joseph had to go through some difficult times, but it was God working all things together for good for the house of Jacob. And today, you are a part of that house, the family of God, Abraham being the father of faith. And so God has not forgotten his covenant. It's an everlasting covenant sealed with the blood of Jesus so that God's always preparing for you even when you, don't, even, when you, even when you are not aware of the trouble that's ahead. He is preparing today for your future. And when you call, he's already answered. He's already prepared for you. Now, I want to go into a story of uh, the widow of Zarephath, but... I want to talk about it from the New Testament, what Jesus said about this particular woman and how God prepared to protect and to provide for this woman. Now, in Luke chapter 4, please, I'm going backward, Kathy. Luke chapter 4, 25 and 26, Jesus was speaking to the Jews. He says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. That was the days of farming, three years without without uh, rain it says there were many widows in israel in the days of elijah remember there are two kingdoms at this time judah and israel and and elisha was elijah was a prophet in israel it says there were many widows in israel in the days of elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout the land but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So God prepared for this Gentile woman. If you read the story, it will seem as if God was providing for Elijah, but really God was looking after this widow. That's an amazing thing. God was providing for this widow. It wasn't for Elijah. A servant of God is always provided for. And when a man of God shows up, that means there's going to be plenty in that house. God wasn't taking care of Elijah. He was taking care of the widow. And that's what Jesus was saying. God provided for the widow ahead of time. And sent his servant to her to provide for her. But his servant went there with nothing in his hand. No food, nothing. But it was a blessing. Amen. This is the mystery of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He always takes care of us ahead of time. Before you call, he's already answered. Now I want to go back to this story in First Kings chapter 17 so we can put this story together and so you know how God provides for his people. For even for a Gentile woman, even for a Gentile woman whose heart was perfect towards him. And you'll find out why God didn't send Elijah to any of the widows in Israel. Now, First Kings chapter 17, verse 8, and I'm going to read through 14, and then we'll go through this scripture. I want to pull this scripture and draw truths from this scripture to share with us tonight. Amen? Like breaking bread. Amen? But look at what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, that's to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow, a widow there to provide for you. The only problem with this, the widow didn't even know it. Before this, God said, I've commanded the ravens to feed you. And the ravens brought meat in the morning for breakfast, and they brought meat in the evening. And here, God was commanding a widow, and the widow didn't even know she had been commanded to take care of God's servant. That's an amazing thing. Uh, she didn't know it. It says, Arise, go, that's verse 9, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded the widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gates of the city, indeed, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me. He was sure. When God sends you, you're sure. Amen. This servant was sure. That's the widow there. And immediately he was demanding for his lunch. Okay. <laughs> no greeting. Just give me my lunch. Okay. God has commanded you. Give me my lunch. Amen. He said, he called to her and said, please bring me a little water. In a cup that I may drink. Can you imagine a stranger walks into town? You're gathering things and she, he's commanding you. You know what it means to get water in this time? There was drought, right? And he's commanding her to get some water. And he just walked into town. A stranger. An illegal alien. No <laughs> <laughs> an alien, right? Just walk into your country and he's demanding for water and there's no water anywhere. Please don't say amen to that. Okay? It says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called, her, he called out to her and said, please bring me a muzzle of bread in your hand. I mean, she was obeying and he's asking for more stuff. Give me some food to eat as well. And he says, I want the bread, I want you to bring that bread to me in your hand, okay? That's an amazing thing. And verse 12 says, So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour 
in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see. You saw me, you saw what I was doing. See, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bean of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. You're going to be well taken care of. But notice something. It says, God actually sent this prophet, who was the greatest prophet in the land at this time, and sent him out of Israel into a foreign country for a widow in that foreign country to take care of him. What's going on here? And Jesus said, to none of those were, was this prophet sent. Now, Jezebel, who was the wife of Ahab, was from Sidon. She took a god, Baal, from Sidon and brought a god into Israel and corrupted the whole nation. And they were now worshipping Baal. But then God sent his servant back to where she came from. So even in a land where people worshipped Baal and she took Baal from a land and took Baal from Sidon and went over to Israel and corrupted the whole land. So everyone, everyone was worshipping Baal and brought so much evil back in the land. God still had his remnant, this woman. And so that's why God sent his prophet back to the land where the troublemaker came from. God can do all things. Amen. He works in mysterious ways. He knows how to push it on the enemy, make the enemy embarrass the enemy. He did it right there in the land and sent her. But notice something about this woman. Why I believe God has so much confidence that this woman was going to take care of his servant. And we must understand some of these things. If you were preparing your last meal would you take kindly to somebody making such demands from you a stranger and she recognized this was this is an israelite yeah i mean it's not one of us serving another god but apparently she believed in this god he says she said to him the lord your god as as long as the lord your god lives i'm just trying to do this but notice the attitude of this woman, which is the attitude that we should have before God. She was willing to give water to this man, even though there was drought, and she was dying because of the drought. She was willing to take that little water and to give to a man of God. See how important these things are? Why God left the whole people and went out, to seek for somebody. You see, we look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. God knew. He said, I have commended this woman. I know she'll hear my voice. Except she didn't know 
that the little she had was what God was commanding to take care of, of this uh, prophet of God. And so she left, she went, she went. No, she wasn't bothered by here is the man. Go get me water. She left a stick that she had gathered to get him water. She left everything there. And when he asked for bread, she wasn't irritated. She was just explaining to him what was really going on. She was preparing to die and still listening. No panic, nothing. She was just there. Let me tell you something. No matter what the word of God says, when God makes you a promise, he's still demanding faith in action. Even though God had commanded this woman to do this, God was still demanding her to act in faith. Many times we don't want to do this. What a selfish man. He, he calls himself a man of God. Now he knows and he's saying to us, the Lord, and he's asking for the little meal we have. Everything had to be by faith. We have to understand this. Faith is the only thing that moves God. And faith, for the most part, doesn't make sense. And sometimes God will ask you to do something contrary to what you are feeling and what you see in before you and what you are experiencing but in it that's where your deliverance lives that's when he provides for you he asks many times he will ask you to do something that is contrary to what you really want to do Give him water. I want to conserve water. And, and, and look at what he said to, to her. Uh, after giving her the word of God, notice she has to act by faith, right? He said, I want you to prepare the first. First bring me that, that little cake first. Prepare my cake first. Before you prepare for yourself and your son. And then he gave her the promise. Did God not give us the promise to bring all your ties? I'm going somewhere now. Different. But many of us are scared. We think things are really rough for us. I can't do this. You know, in those days, I used to pay uh, my tithes from uh, the net, you know, when I worked, you know, for a while there. From the net. And uh, then I heard a message. And the person was very simple. Uh, could you tell Uncle, would, would you tell Uncle Sam uh, that, uh, listen, my church, after my church is taking the 10% from this, my gross, uh, that's when I'm going to give you what belongs to you for the government, Uncle Sam. You think Uncle Sam will accept that? And I thought to myself, oh boy. I know Uncle Sam will not allow that. And he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what belongs to God. You won't tell Uncle Sam you give Uncle Sam your ta- the, the percentage from your taxes after you've taken the tent for your church. Why are you doing that with God? Because you can't see him or he's not going to come after you. 
that settled it for me. That settled it for me. And you know, when I started doing that, the blessings, because you, it's not halfway obedience, it's not full obedience. You got to get it off. And there's fear. How am I going to do this now? I was doing this and was still having trouble. Maybe that's why you're having trouble. Why don't, do, why don't you do what God asked you to do? And we're not trying to collect money from here at the ark. I'm just preaching the truth today. And that's what happened here. The tithe principle runs through scriptures. From the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. From this story, God will meet your need. God will provide for you. But he always will want his first. You know, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden didn't it make sense to me. I thought God was trying to put that there to trap them. Hello? Why? I mean, you've made everything well. Why put a tree of good and evil there? And then want them not to touch it. Now, with kids, if you tell a kid, uh, you got, a, you see that cookie jar there? Please, I don't want you touching that, that cookie jar. Guess what? Even though they've been running around the house and they've seen the cookie jar, it was no big deal. Every morning you go, they're staring at that cookie jar. They want what's in there. But see, the third principle is so important to God. It was already from the beginning, right there. The tree was for God. You eat from everything that there is in the garden, but this tree, that's mine. He even gave them the tree of life. And they could eat from the tree of life, except this one for God. And it being a principle. And God said, the day you eat from that tree, you shall what? Surely die. And many, many of us, those who don't pay tithes, they have been eating from that tree and crying out to God for a blessing. So when you find yourself naked and you say, when God's speaking to you, you say, I'm naked. God says, who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree? You ate your, you ate your seed? You, you have nothing to plant now, no harvest for you. We need to understand the principle. It ties all in there all the time. It's always there. We have to understand this principle here. But it was a kindness. God saw the kindness in this woman that this woman would take care of his prophet. He sent him. So she, she would take care of him. And that's what Jesus said. He didn't say anything to any of them. And Jesus, basically Jesus was preaching and they didn't like what he was doing. And Jesus said, I'm not surprised. That's what happened then. God will always look for the one who will take care of his work. Amen? We must not forget this. Look at what the scripture says in Hebrews 13 verse 1 and 2. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Uh, when I came to the United States, I really loved the U.S. You know, many times when I was driving in Georgia, I would see this guy standing by the roadside. He does something like this. And I will stop and I will pick him to the next city. And then I saw stuff on television. How do, some of these guys, you pick them up 
and they want your car and they want your life, you know. So now I have to discern. I ask God, is it right or not? And I was telling Aaron today, I don't feel bad. When they ask me for a gift, once I don't feel it from inside, the answer comes out real fast. No, I'm not going to give you anything. Sorry. And I walk away. But when I feel that tugging, yes. Even if he takes it and goes to do something wrong, my friends, I felt good about it, I'll give it. That's I just judge from my heart these days. Amen? I have to put that out because people get confused as to what to do. Let your peace guide you. If you don't feel, feel peace about it, don't give it. Even if they are crying, don't give it. No, I'm not going to give to you. But if you feel something and God's Spirit it says, My sheep hear my voice. And when he tells you to do it, what they do with it is up to them. Obey his voice. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit of God will lead you. Amen? So we can actually take care of strangers and God will bless us. Amen. I want to go into this area that God always will respond to hope when you pray. Remember, we're talking about receiving from God, receiving from God. And what happens when we're asking, your help is on, the way, on its way, what happens to many Christians, including myself, when it doesn't happen at the time we expect it to happen, we lose hope. We let it go. And many times, you, you know, you don't want to accuse God that God didn't answer. So you're nice about it as a Christian. You just say, well, maybe this is not what God wants for me. And then you just let it go. Tonight, I'm here to tell you, if God gave it to you, time has nothing to do with it. Don't give it up. Don't lose hope. Stay with your hope. Hope is very important. You know, in Christianity, there are three things that will bring success to you spiritually, mentally, in your body, financially, in every way. Three things. Just three powerful things that will deliver success to you any day. And they work together. I'm sure you want to know them, right? <laughs> the Bible tells us very clearly, those three things that will always be there for us, that we need if we want God to, to really meet all of our needs. Three things. And it tells us in First Corinthians chapter 13, now there abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Remember what he says? He says, even if I have faith so that I can move mountains, if I don't have love, it's nothing. Even if I give my body to be burnt, he says, 
If you don't have love, you know, you can give. Keep giving and giving and giving. Just keep giving. If you have no love, it profits me nothing. So you can have faith. You got to combine that with love. We talk about faith a lot. And we talk about love. But the most neglected one, which is one of the most powerful ones, that we don't talk about in the church, is hope. There abides now hope, faith, and love. These three, they're very important. These three, they're very important. You can't let go of hope. You can't hope. Your faith will not work without hope. Your love will not work without hope. So there abides hope. So don't give up. The answer is on its way. Don't lose hope. Some people will say, keep hope alive. I used to hear that. What do you mean? But it's so important. Keep hope alive. You got to have hope. Don't get hopeless. Hopelessness lives in the land of the dead. That's hopeless. If you are without hope, you're dead. If your business loses hope, you lose hope in your business, that business is dead. No one can resurrect it. You need hope. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. If you don't have hope, your faith has nothing to give substance to. You can have all the faith, but you got to have some hope. Hope is very important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But you have to have hope. And I can tell from your language whether or not you've lost hope. And once you lose hope, you can't have faith. Faith will not work. We got to have hope. You got to have hope. I'm sure that woman, she was hoping God would do something. And you know, once the prophet gave her the word, faith. Amen. She was hoping something's going to happen. I got her these sticks and I'm going to take care of myself. We'll eat and die. But now here comes this prophet. Now if she had no hope, why would she believe a prophet like that? She was looking for a miracle. Can I hear amen? She was looking, God's going to do something. And she gladly went and brought that. And for three and a half years, she was eating good. Because there was hope. And when there's hope and the word of faith comes in, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When there is hope and the word of God comes in, faith comes in and then you act. And that's how what happened here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he, that's God who promised, is faithful. When you lose your hope and you talk hopelessness, it's over. 
And you can always tell. When you say, Pastor, I don't think this thing is working. Guess what? We know you are getting hopeless. I have prayed and prayed and prayed. And nothing is happening. That's the language of hopelessness. Why is God not doing this? Guess what? You are in the path of hopelessness. That's where you're going. How am I feeling this? I've done this and I've done that. That's the language of hopelessness. Why is it not working? You are in that path of hopelessness. We don't talk that way. I think about, about nobody knew, knew what was going on in Joseph's mind. But I'm sure that fellow was looking, someday God's going to come through. Even as things kept going down, no complaint. He never said a word of complaint. When you are hopeless, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Complaints. The children of Israel in the wilderness, after they had looked at the land, the promised land, guess what? Hopelessness set in. And then they started talking hopelessness. And they cried all night long. Cried all night long. I mean, it's an amazing thing how Satan can deceive Christians. These were people that saw the Red Sea. Can you imagine that? You will think, just because of that miracle alone, that they will remember. Look at what happened to Pharaoh's army. God split that Red Sea. They've forgotten. They've forgotten. And they all they did was hopeless, complaining and crying all night long. Let me tell you what. God doesn't respond to crying. There's only one thing that moves him. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And verse 6 says, Those that come to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, Not who diligently cry. He doesn't respond to all of that. You know, every time Jesus saw somebody weeping, guess what he says to him? Him or her. Don't weep. Remember? Because if you weep, there is no faith. Weeping is a clear sign of hopelessness. Hello? God, feel sorry for me, please. It doesn't work that way. All you need to do is get books. Get the scriptures. Start building some hope and faith. Telling yourself, God cannot lie. If I die, let me die. But I know God cannot die. Amen. You got to have some hope. Your hope is so important. Looking at my time. Good. So important. You must hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Because your help is on his way. So hold fast. Because God who promised, he's faithful. So don't let go of your hope. He's going to work. God's going to come through for you. He will come through for you. He'll come through for you in your finances. He'll come through for you for your children. He'll come through for you if you need something, a mate, or whatever it is. Don't let go. Stay with God. And be hopeful. God will come through. Amen. God will come through. Let me show show you this thing about hope. How important this is. 
Because there abides hope, faith, and love. Mix all of them. It's hard to have love <laughs> when you are hopeless. Because many times, when you are hopeless, you easily see those who are doing okay. Right? And you're mad. <laughs> Sometimes. You're wondering, is something really wrong with me? How come they're doing well? And I'm not doing... And that's Satan's ministry. He wants you to feel bad. How come I've got this and everybody else is doing that well? <laughs> How do you know everybody's doing well? Did you, did you examine them? Did you question them? Or you just assuming they're doing well? They have their own issues as well. But they're believing God for it. Amen? When you're believing God, you, re- you lift your head. And don't do anything to give the devil... A chance to see that you are struggling. In boxing, my wife knows I like to walk boxing sometimes. Sometimes it's violent in there. But uh, let's go forward, okay? In boxing, when your opponent sees that they hit you and you groan a little bit, he says, ah, I found what really hurts him. Guess what? Every time he comes, you can kill him. He's going after that thing. That makes your wings a little bit. He's going after the same thing. And that's what we, when you, you cry a little bit, devil says, I got him now. He's coming after you in the same area. If it's your finances, he knows what gets you. He's coming after If, if it's a fear, whatever it is, that's what he's going to come against you with. But you have to study the word and begin to get strong in that area. Amen is so important. Get strong. Because if he's found one thing that makes you miserable, that's what he's going to be going after constantly. Even if it's in your thought area. You know, when I was a new Christian, Satan knew my mind. You know, I didn't want any bad thought at all to ever go through my mind. And uh, I, I was constantly binding and loosening. <laughs> constantly. Kill him. I bind you. Just every minute. He knew it bothered me, so I didn't realize that temptation, that's the way you're tempted, right? You can reject it or not. For me, that was sin. And I had to confess. I mean, it was constant confession and binding and loosing. They're laughing at me now. But boy, it wasn't funny in those days. I'm telling you, it wasn't funny. And I wasn't laughing either. I was real dead serious. What's happening to me? How come? And I look at my Christian brother. I said, they're all doing well. Why is it I have to keep binding and loosening? And some of these thoughts were strange. Where where did I get this one from? But then after I discovered that it's the enemy. I said, that's not my thoughts. That's your thoughts. Forget that nonsense. I don't think that way. I'm a servant of God. Then he knows that trick don't work anymore. Leave me alone. You've got to find some other trick. Amen? But look at Abraham. In Romans chapter 4, beginning from verse 17, the question of hope. Don't let go of your hope. Stay with your hope and go to the Word of God so that the faith that will give substance to your hope comes from the Word of God. Amen? But stay with your hope. Because the scripture didn't say, hope comes by hearing. Have you heard that before? Scripture doesn't say that. His faith comes by 
hearing. So it's your responsibility to keep your hope alive and then study the Word of God and listen to messages in that area so that faith will arise and give substance to your hope. But don't let go of your hope. Amen? Stay with your hope and expect a miracle. I like uh, Aura Robert. Something good is going to happen to you, he says. And I say to myself, in those days I was new, how does he know that? <laughs> Amen. But look at what it says. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to what? Hope. Have you been in a place where the situation is contrary to hope? There is nothing to hope for because it is so bad. The business is going crazy. Nothing is working. Contrary to hope in what? Hope believed. Can you see how they're working together? His answer wasn't on his way. In hope, he believed. So that he became the father of many nations. You see, when you believe in hope, faith gives substance to your hope. And once that takes place, automatically you become father of many nations. What was he believing for? To be a father. And the Bible says, if you read that further, he never considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. And let's read that scripture. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope in hope believed. Notice, in hope he believed. In hope he believed. In hope he believed. Two separate things. In hope he believed. Because God spoke to him. In hope he believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In hope he believed. In hope he believed the word that was spoken. Faith comes by hearing. You let go of your hope, it's over. According to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He stood with the word of God, but he already had hope. He wanted something to happen. He was believing God for it and never questioned God when God said to him, your, your wife... Uh, Sarah, she's going to conceive. And when he heard that, that was it. He changed his name. And started going everywhere, telling everybody, I'm going to be the father. What's, my, what's your name, young man? He says, oh, old man, I am the father of many nations, he said. And I, I'm Abraham. Amen. In a situation where there was no hope, contrary to hope, he believed in hope. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had spoken, he was also able to perform. You have to be fully persuaded 
I like it every time Bill stands up uh, this uh, Wednesday night and he's declaring his faith. Because you have to be fully persuaded. You have to be fully persuaded. That even though your situation is contrary to what you want, your hope is in God. Hope in God. Why are thou? Why are you speaking to my soul? David said, why are you cast down? Hope in God. Hope in God. Don't let go of hope, no matter what's going on. Many times it's what we hear from people, and we are so concerned about what people think, and what people are saying about us, and all of that. And sometimes they even tell you, oh, we know of this person, this person had this problem, and they give you all the negative things that happened. And sometimes they show you another great Christian preacher that had the same problem that you have, and, 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 and look at what happened. And what they are saying is, eh, fellow, you have no chance. But the preacher is not Jesus. Amen? The preacher is not Jesus. You can't believe a man over God's word. You can't say, well, because it didn't happen to this person, well, God must not really mean. That's an insult. Who is Pastor Goodluck? Who is this preacher that you are going to take and bring up to the standard of God's word? That's, that's madness. So you stay with God's word, no matter what's going on. And you trust God because in hope you can believe. Contrary to hope. Faith and hope because your answer is on its way. God said, before you call, he'll hear. While you are still speaking, he'll answer. And Abraham's child didn't come. Now it took 25 years, okay, before this thing came to pass. But for many of us, we quickly give up. But thank God we have the Word of God to encourage ourselves. To encourage ourselves, just like David did. He went before the Lord and encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he asked God, Shall I go? Will you deliver them into my hand? God said, That's okay, son. You can go. I've already protected. I was ahead. I made sure none of your sons been killed. None of their sons has been killed. Your wives are okay. No one has abused them. I kept them. God, you can go. You'll recover all. That's the same God we're serving today. In righteousness, you will be established. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. Read Isaiah 54. Their righteousness is of mine. And that's where I, you know, stand. On God's righteousness. That's my foundation. That's where you are planted. The rock. Planted on the rock. On His righteousness. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. I got none of mine. And I, but I got the best. You can find everywhere. So my hope is in the master because he cannot lie. Many times I tell God, I'm unfaithful, but you remain ever faithful. He's always faithful. Many times we can be flaky. And I've been there. Hello. And even those times I won't tell you I was being flaky. I still think I'm a man of faith. Yes. But um, but then he turns it around for me. Amen? Especially when you go to him, like I said before, 
in times of prayer. That's where I get strengthened. In my mind, it can be going all over the place, but I can go back to Him. And God will strengthen you. But you need to believe. If you don't lose hope, God will come through for you. This is the way I see things in the Scriptures. When I see the man, because I want to conclude this message, I need to go to something else. When I see the man in John chapter 5, who was at the pool of, of uh, is it Bethesda? For how many years he was sick? 38 years? And he was still in, at that, in that pool, having some hope that someday, somehow, someday, somehow, he never gave up. He still was there. Every year, every year, he was hopeful. He complained to Jesus. You see, there was a time when I was a little stronger in my early days, but there was somebody always stronger than and they got into that pool before me. But he was still there. And Jesus responded to his hope. Did you see that? Jesus responded to his hope. It's an amazing thing when Jesus showed up, he only healed that one man and left. Read the scriptures. It's just that one man. He healed that one man and then he left the place. And I wondered, how did he find this man? He went directly to him. And I believe in that man's heart, he was hoping for a man that would put him in the pool. He said, I have no man. God, could you give me a man? And guess who showed up? The real man. Amen. The real man showed up. Because in his heart, I believe, he was still hopeful that one day God will have mercy on me and a man will show up who, can, who will put me in that pool before anyone gets to that place. And you notice there was hope. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? He gave his excuse. I don't have anybody to do this for me before I get there. And Jesus said, well, take up your bed. Notice he didn't hesitate. That was his man. Amen? Your man is here tonight. Amen? Your man is here tonight to take care of your need. How many of you will receive that man? His name is Jesus. Stand up with me tonight. Whatever the issue is. Jesus is walking by and he's come to you specifically as a person. What do you need from him? You need to tell him what he's asking you. What do you want me to do for you? Would you tell him tonight what you want him to do? And there's nothing too big for him. But first, remember, never give up. Don't give up hope. Trust in God. In hope, believe. Lift your hands up tonight and talk to him. And tell him what you want. God says in Isaiah 54, stretch out the borders of your dwelling. Stretch it out. Make it bigger. Be afraid of nothing because Jesus is on your side. If God be for you and Jesus is for you, who can be against you? No matter how many of them gather, no matter how many meetings they have against you, at work, in your business, those that are contrary, they are coming at you, but God standing on your side, no matter how much power they think they have, 
the powerful one is on your side and he's come to you today and he's going to meet every need in your life. Jesus of Nazareth is right here, the God of the universe, the God who created all things. What is it that you want from him? He is going to give to you because you are precious to him and because he loves you dearly and you have sat at his feet tonight before the feet of Jesus and he's been sharing with you, sharing with you from his word, from his heart, that he is your father, he is your shepherd, and if he's your shepherd, you won't lack anything that's good. And so God is here tonight to confirm his word with signs following. Walking with them to confirm his word with signs following. Father, I want to thank you for your people tonight. I believe in the God of the universe. I believe in you, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe that you haven't lied to us. Your word is the truth. Your word will not return to your void. You came because of your people, the people of Zion, and you came to bless us. Your word says you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Life in our finances, life in our marriages, life in our, in, with our children, life in our businesses. You want to speak life. And I speak life into all this area areas of your people's life today because you came to give us life in abundance we claim life in abundance tonight that all our needs are met tonight by the power of your holy spirit in the name of jesus every need is met tonight in jesus name and we cannot know want because jesus is on our side thank you father god we love you so much because you first loved us And you gave your life for us so that we might have true life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome Jesus we have. What a glorious Savior. What a great God we have. You are our God. And God, we are happy to have you as our God. We are proud to have you as our Heavenly Father. And because we have you as our Heavenly Father, we know we cannot be thirst. We are victorious. We are more than conquerors. Thank you, O Lord our God. We give you praise tonight. All is well. That's our declaration tonight. All is well. Because God is in our boat. All is well. Nothing can sink our boat. Because Jesus is asleep at rest in our boat tonight. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, O God. We give you praise. It's a joy to serve this awesome and glorious God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. And you are truly.